1: CNN headline news weekend anchor Renee San Miguel goes on the record. Folks
2: like Steve Jobs, there's absolutely no way you're going to get him off message, and there's absolutely no way you're going to get him to talk about future products. The, the, you have to, I mean, having the experience of somebody of talking to somebody like that. The 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 thing is, how can I get him to to talk about a competitor or talk about uh, you know a trend in the in the in the industry uh, without Giving him an easy opening to go back to talk about an iPod, the new iPod he's got. He's talking about you know that when he was uh, pushing the uh, I think uh, some new version of the iPod that included the U2 special edition and he had Bono and the Edge with him. I I spent a lot of time talking to Bono and the Edge talking about wh- you know what do you think about bands who aren't putting their songs uh, on an individual song by song basis? You know do you think that they're you know are they are they holding the inevitable here? you know, groups like, you know, Led Zeppelin and all this who don't, who want you to still continue to buy the the CDs, and and what do you think about that? And the Edge gave me a very good answer about how they were, you know, they weren't facing the future, basically, and they weren't learning to to adapt to it. At that point, it's like, well, Steve, you know, I'm not going to get that kind of answer from Steve Jobs because he's barely giving, he's barely talking about, you know, the record labels wanting to hike the prices of of the tunes that they have on iTunes uh, going, you know, for more than 99 cents. He does give. Uh, he does talk about it. but He's not going to talk about it too much because he's in negotiations. Uh, some. Of, I mean, I, I. A lot of people in my business are now in the business of media consulting. I realize that, and uh, you know, the only thing is, you just hope that they can that they're doing a good job of preparing people for the unexpected, because they should know that's what these guys are doing. They want to get you off the talking points. They want to get you. Uh, they they want to get something interesting from you, either from a personal basis or. You know, they, they want to be able to take something back and, and say, here's here's the lead, here's what, you know, Bill Gates said about so-and-so, or here's what uh, Michael Dell said about uh, this particular trend.
1: And thank you for joining me for another episode of On the Record Online. This is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. If you're a regular listener of the show, welcome back. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, we do in-depth one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as, from time to time, discussions with influential bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers, and we talk about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the media business as we know it. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman, and I am the founder and president of iPressroom Corporation. Uh, We help organizations integrate the web into their public relations and interactive marketing initiatives I am also personally and professionally interested in how technology is changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information today we have a one-on-one interview with CNN headline news weekend anchor Renee San Miguel, he is a 26-year veteran of broadcast journalism, and uh, we are going to talk to him shortly, but before we do, I want to read to you a comment that was posted to my blog. about uh, the last show which was released, which was the interview with uh, Jacob Nielsen, the uh, web usability guru. Um, Here's what she had to say. Here's what this comment has to say. It comes from Lisa Snyder King, who is the assistant to David Pogue, the um, technology columnist, personal technology columnist for the New New York Times. And uh, those of you who have been uh, listeners of the show for some time know that we actually uh, had David Pogue on our show uh, some months back. Uh, that episode is available, of course, if you wanted to download it. Uh, but here's what she had to say. She says, Greetings, Eric. I wanted to thank you for having Jacob Nielsen on your show. As New York Times technology columnist David Pogue's personal assistant, I have a hell of a time finding press contacts for the glorious gadgets we review each week. Sometimes I have to dig deep, deeply into a press release PDF to find a contact, and other times I'm forced to use a generic email, gasp, because the manufacturer didn't publish phone numbers it's a joy to work with companies who provide pertinent contact information including a phone number one more on deadline including a phone number one more on deadline and kudos to sony and nikon who are forward thinking who are forward thinking enough to include a press image area instead of trying to get photos out of a pr contact and having them fill up my inbox i can go in at my leisure and choose the photos we want Here, as in so many areas, pull works better than push. Now, if we could only get all tech companies to listen to the show. Enjoying the podcast, Lisa Snyder King. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for that comment. Um, uh, We do appreciate that. And uh, for those of you who want to comment on this show or any show, you can do that on my blog, that's at www.spinfluencer.com, or you can send me an audio comment to eric at ontherecordpodcast.com, uh, please no, no bigger than 5 megs. Uh, and now uh, we are going to play for you the interview
0: with Rene San Miguel. After this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom. Always on, even when you're off.
1: Renee San Miguel thanks so much for joining us
2: thanks for having me I appreciate it
1: I'd be curious to know uh, as as an anchor at CNN you know the 24-hour uh, uh, cable news network how does an organization like CNN decide what to cover and what role do you pay, play specifically in that decision-making process
2: oh well I mean it, it's it's you know, it's all about pitching. You know, whether it's a, a PR person pitching me, or whether it's me pitching uh, one of our uh, editors or executive producers or whatever regarding uh, some story I may have read, or or something that was pitched to me as a, by a PR person. It, it's about the kind of news that we think should be, you know, would be compelling to a wide audience. Um, you know, everybody in, at, you know, at CNN and, and and at Headline News, you know, is. Um, you know impacted by some of the things that, that uh, you know are in the news they're they're directly impacted by it uh, whether it's having somebody who's uh, overseas fighting in the war in Iraq in their family or uh, being impacted by something that happened uh, you know in the business world or whether it's uh, somebody got hit by by a computer virus or whatever it's it's um, you know all of these things can impact our lives and it's just deciding which which uh, path to follow and but always it has to be compelling it has to be you know lend itself to
1: Let's talk about that for a second what what makes a great news story for for television versus a great n- news story for print
2: uh, well I mean obviously being able to put the words to pictures I I've I started out in print and that's always been my big you know my big uh, uh, the first one of the first questions I asked because I always thought that you know a story is a story a good story is a good story regardless of the medium but uh, there are after spending six years in newspapers and being able to, you know, learning to, to put a good story into about, you know, 15 or 16 column inches, and then suddenly being able to, having to, you know, essentially tell the same story in a minute 45 to two minutes uh, just uh, was the biggest challenge for me in the early part of my career. And the idea of, of writing to the video, letting the video tell the story, and, and, and filling in the blanks, uh, you know, where where the video can't take the viewer. Um, You know, that's basically along those lines, good pictures, compelling uh, stories being told by the people that that are involved in the particular story, being able, you know, my job uh, as a reporter or as an anchor is to to weave all that together into a narrative, much like, you know, uh, somebody in Hollywood will do that, you know, every story has to have a, uh, every good story has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. They, you know, they, they, they get you, they rope you in, in act A, and act B, they help flesh out the exposition on the characters, and act C, they try to, you know, br- bring everything together to a, to a conclusion, uh, and, you know, it's kind of the same thing with, with storytelling, it's all, it's, you know, it, it's another element of drama, I guess you might say, but in this, in this case, all the people are real, it's, 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 um, it's, You know, just deciding what elements to play up, what is truly compelling about the story, and then just kind of, you know, in some of the best stories, letting the story tell itself, just kind of get out of the way and let the story, you know, uh, tell itself.
1: Now, you were the original anchor for the live science and technology series next at CNN. And one of the challenges when it comes to stories that take place on the Internet is the pictures are... Typically, someone sitting in front of their screen or typing—I mean, it's the same B-roll over and over again. How do you make that visual?
2: That's that's very—you uh, know—that's a very good question, and that is exactly the uh, the issue with covering internet and technology type of news. The idea of going relying on something more besides, you know, pages of a website and scrolling up and down that particular website or clicking on links. Um, in many cases, you can do graphics. You can rely on graphics to help tell that story. But a lot of the times, it, it'll it'll involve just doing an interview, much like we're doing right now, and just using the pictures, you know, bringing those in, in in a way to help illustrate what's going on. A lot of the people that are listening to that particular story or that are interested in that realize that we're talking about a website. That we're talking many times about text and um, you know, static images. So they're going to be forgiving to a certain extent, but at some point, you've, you've got to you know, just rack your brain to try to uh, help uh, tell the stories as, as well as you can. So many times, we'll throw up full screens and have graphics about a particular, uh, you know, whatever it is that we're doing involving the Internet, whether it's a website or whether it's an Internet trend or whether it's, you know, uh, anything to do with, uh, you know, the the dot-com space. uh but you know, I mean, it's 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 a it's a challenge. Um, hopefully, the viewers will understand what it is you're dealing with, and they'll give you a certain amount of leeway when it comes to you know, reporting on the internet.
1: So let's backtrack for a minute and talk a little sure. bit about what you do on a day to day basis as an anchor at CNN. Tell us, if you would, a day in the life. Walk us through from from when you arrive at CNN and and the meetings you go through uh before appearing uh, on the air and and whatever you do after that how does it work
2: well right now i'm an anchor at headline news uh so i think that's that's my primary function so i get in and uh immediately log in and um uh, start to you know meet with my executive producer and all the other folks uh there at the headline news and talk a little bit about what's going on and then we have an official meeting where we we talk about the stories that are uh making news at that particular time of the day and who we are having live live lined up for live interviews um and and then a lot of it is answering email and checking some of the pitches that are sent to me by some of the uh my PR contacts um you know I've been covering technology uh directly since uh 97 so I've built up a, a, an awful lot of uh you know contacts uh with various technology companies and firms and and PR firms that, that focus on technology companies. So um, I get sent an awful lot of uh, emails and just try to winnow through those and try to decide, you know, well, is there a story here that I can get on headline news or is there a story here that I can get on my podcast, which uh, we just started at the CNN.com, uh, or anything else that I can pass along maybe to some other folks, uh, people in our SciTech unit or uh, people at CNN. Uh I go through that and I just I read like a ton of, uh, of online uh, uh you know newspapers and blogs and things of that nature. Thing you know things about my business, uh, things about uh, you know the usual the usual suspects: the New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, Wall Street Journal. Um, you know the the web, the the news sites for Yahoo and Google, the, what they've. What you know, what I may want to pursue on my own uh, on a later basis, or uh, what what will help me deal with the stories that I'm re- that I'm going to be anchoring and talking about that day on headline news. And,
1: and how uh, many roughly, how many emails a day are you getting from people in the say, PR community?
2: You know, it's it's interesting because once um, I mean it, it fluctuates from like maybe fifty to sixty uh, to anywhere to a hundred. It just I, I, it's gone up since I did the podcast. Uh, hopefully, that's a good sign that the podcast is being uh, is being uh, listened to. Uh, and, and it also it, it increased uh, after covering uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in January for Headline News. And that's also uh, it was interesting because we were able to, you know, you talk about how the technology has changed the business of journalism. Um, not only was I doing live shots for Headline News and some of the other. CNN networks. I was also blogging daily, and also doing podcasts, which I just absolutely loved. And also doing live shots for CNN uh, Pipeline, the new online uh, uh, news service that CNN has. Those offered me more time than I would have than um, a a traditional like television live shot, and I was able to do more you know interaction with our guests and with the anchors. Um, It's just you know for if you're. If you're into journalism, it's like a dream come true because you get an unlimited amount of time to really tell your story, and you can you can get more personal about it. You know, not not so much you know sharing your opinion, but presenting more color and depth, and and you know kind of going behind the scenes and taking. I think that's the true the true value of all these new technologies, and I think that a, that a, a journalist really needs to not be intimidated by these things and not not fear the blog, but embrace it and not fear. The podcast or see it as one more thing to do, but really try to make it your own, and that's what I'm trying to do with, with uh, the digital life. Which, well, when,
1: uh, the, when, the, when radio first appeared, obviously people predicted the death of the newspaper. Of course, radio didn't kill the newspaper, uh, and then TV came, and people predicted the death of radio, and of course, it didn't change that either. Uh, the older forms of media just adapted. Now, seeing as how you have experience in print journalism... Uh, as a news anchor for CNN, and now as a blogger and a podcaster. What can you say about those different media channels with respect to the stories that work best in them? Are there particular? Is there a particular type of news that works better uh, on television, a particular type of news that works better in a podcast? And how do you decide what news goes where? Well,
2: one of the reasons um, that I wanted to kind of get into some of these things was to really kind of opening up to a mainstream audience. I don't I want to cover technology but I don't want to cover technology from um, the you know uh, I don't want to say the geek value or the geek level, but I don't want to do it for IT folks. I want to do it for everybody. I want to do I want to open up the world of technology and, and the wonderful things that are going on here to a wide audience. So I guess any story that I can tell in a television sense, can be translated to it doesn't matter I mean, it doesn't you know there's there's a every story can can be told also in a podcast or in a blog but it's just it relies more al- along my uh... powers of storytelling if, as it were uh... to get that point across but it also lets me you know use more colors on the palette if you will to uh... to paint that picture for whoever's reading it in a blog or whoever's uh... listening to it on a podcast the big thing about podcasts is I love doing interviews because you get more time to do it, but I can also draw more information out of whoever it is I'm interviewing. Um, you know, so I, it, it's really, uh, you know, a good story is a good story is a good story. Whether it's it's uh, you know, um uh, or or whether it's you know what went on with Google today, it, it, it's it's just uh, how what what it's done, what is done with it by whoever's doing the reporting, and these new technologies. Just uh, can take us in so many new directions as as journalists. Uh, you know, if somebody were to be pitching me a particular story for a podcast versus a, 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 a you know for television, um, my my suggestion is think about the podcast first because I get a chance to spend more time with whoever it is that you're pitching. Um, and and the podcast goes on CNN.com, which has a wide reach. Uh, a lot of eyeballs hit that hit the website every day. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that you know it, it at some point in the in the very near future i think it's not going to matter uh... everybody's going to be pitching these kind of things for a wide variety of media and delivery systems and it's going to you know they're going to go back to well is this story that i'm pitching you know really compelling does it appeal to the widest range of viewers Um, you know can i can i pitch it in a way where i'm not you know, it make, I, I can make it sound like I'm not selling stereo instructions, but I'm selling a story that has a beginning and a middle and an end that involves real people. And, you know, those kind of things are, are universal. And whether I'm going to be telling them in a, in a two-minute package on CNN or whether I'm going to be doing it on a seven-minute podcast, Um, Some of those basic elements, remain, I think, remain the same, to to get back to
1: your original question. So you don't see uh, podcasting as necessarily being the appropriate channel for reaching a niche audience or for narrow casting. You you see it as as a channel that could be used for reaching a a wide audience as well.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I think that more more and more people are going to be, are going to get, not be intimidated by, you know, the elements of RSS feeds and, you know, whatever it is that they're using. I think obviously Apple and iTunes is helping out tremendously with opening up this audience to, you know, more than just the the narrow cast audience or the niche people. But I really think that, you know, what, what has drawn me to technology coverage and some of the things that I want to talk about are, you know, being able to explain it to my mom and dad back in San Angelo, Texas. Okay, I think that you know, and they're you know they're they have just come late to the computer revolution just within the last you know uh i guess five to six years, but one of the things that that they love to do is is you know check email you know com- communicate with people um and and you know read news from all parts of the world, and I think those are the two main you know applications right now that are really pushing uh you know broadband and- and uh you know, just computers in, in general And the internet in general So, you know, I, I really, you know, I mean uh, Yeah, I think that some of the early adopters Are the ones who were, like, checking out the website And checking out the podcast And uh, were, were some of those who were watching the CES coverage But my treatment of it is going to be for, for a, a, a bigger audience Because I think after a while, you know to For the narrow casting type thing You're going yep. to bump your head up against the ceiling at some point I think that there's a greater audience out there for to to, to bring these uh, these topics, and, and that's really the challenge for me, and, and and the pleasure that's in it for me to is to is to tell those stories uh, to to everybody, not just those in Silicon Valley, or not just those in in Silicon Alley in New York, or or those in the in the business, as it were. Um, I want to I want to be able to, to to tell these stories to everybody and. Explain a lot, uh, and, and why people should care about this. Why people outside of the IT world should care about this. Um, th- that's that's why I'm in the business. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing, and, and have been doing this for well, going on 27 years now. And uh, so, I mean, I mean, that's that's why I do this. And these new technologies are just another way to to get that story out.
1: Now, when you started covering high tech, you were at CBS, right?
2: Well, I, when I started covering high tech. I was at CNBC. Uh, I, you know, I'd done a little bit of technology. You know, the, net, the internet was becoming kind of uh, you know was going mainstream in the mid '90s, and I was doing a, a little bit of coverage on that at my the affiliate that I was working at in Dallas uh, uh, because I you know I also had had you know because I purchased a computer and was doing some surfing on, on the old Prodigy and uh, early AOL and uh, was seeing what was what was going on out there. Uh, I also had an interest in video games and technology and, and things like that, and so I was covering a lot of the Quake early Quake conventions um, for my TV station in Dallas. But didn't really just do this, you know, full time until I got to CNBC in in ninety seven. And and from there, and at there, mostly, you know, the business side, you know, the bottom line side of things. Uh, at CNN, I get a chance to cover technology from more from the, like I said, the mainstream. I loved covering technology, but I, I grew to not like. Covering technology stocks so much because I really felt that the audience is much bigger for what tech what these technologies can do. Not so much why they're why they're they're moving a, sh- a share price up or down, but why are people wanting? Why would people want to put this in their cars or on their computer or you know listen to this or watch this or whatever? S- I just and, so Renee
1: the Rene, since then since '97. I mean that's, that's considerable a considerable amount of time. How has your use of technology to do your job changed.
2: You know, like I said, it's just it's it just changed completely. I mean, it's it's been a one hundred and eighty degree change. Uh, it's it's you know a good way to do research, although it is not you know uh, I you know I'm not going to go on Wiki, Wikipedia and. Put that on the air. Well,
1: that but let, let, let's I, talk I, I about realize. that for a minute. I mean, how much do you rely on the information provided by corporate websites uh, when you're gathering information and qualifying story well, ideas?
2: On, on corporate websites, it's always good to get the background and all those kinds of things. But uh, then I'm going to go to uh, some of the independent uh, press and technology press to see what they've said about something before I decide if I want to pursue it for a story. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely to. To see it, there's a buzz being created at, at some of these other websites that I mentioned earlier. Before I decided if I'm going to want to take this to a, a wider audience, uh, these are the folks who deal with these kinds of things on a daily basis. Not only technology do I have to cover, but I got to cover the immigration debate, and I got to cover the, what's going on in Iraq and all of this kind of thing. So it, it, it's it's you know one of the one of the many resources that I, I have available to me is a corporate website. But I also realize what you know uh, you know what they've got at stake in this and and the biases that they're bringing to it i mean you know it, it's always good that whatever it is that's being written on a corporate website is written in english in plain english uh and like i said you know sell it like you would want to sell it uh you know so it can be easily understood by a wide variety of people instead of you know just people who are dealing with you know this particular uh, uh medium or whatever. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't just write these things for IT people, write them for everybody so that you can really get across why people ought to care about this particular product that you're trying to pitch or that you're putting out a press release
1: on. Well, granted, um, you know, the information you find on a corporate website is going to be the company line and it's going to reflect uh, what the company wants to get out there. But when you go to a, a company's website, what are your expectations? I mean, what do you expect to find and how does your experience, your user experience on their website impact how you feel about that company brand or service?
2: well i mean if if it, if there is if the if the press releases are written with like i said a certain amount of uh i don't know wit or style or whatever or if the the website itself um you know is done in an easily navigable way that's definitely a big part of the big part of the getting over the that first hurdle but i mean, i mean i do i mean you know I'm a journalist i come at this with a very cynical uh, eye so uh, I, I realize that what is being said is a certain amount of cheerleading factor to it, and, uh, and having talked to an awful lot of people um, in the business, I, you know, I, I realize trying to navigate through some of those, some of that, um, you know, it, it, it just depends on how, how these things are written, how they're presented, uh, whether they use a lot of multimedia on the website to help tell the story, to help get across the point. Trying to make uh, about their particular product or service, uh, and that 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 helps out a bunch. I, it, but it, you know, again, it just it, it get it gets back to whether or not um, it's something that it can be, you know, easily understood and presented to, you know, folks like my mom and dad. Uh, you know, and that, that's kind of basic, and that's what I've been telling people since I've 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 been asked to, you know, speak at the you know Public Relations Society of America you know meetings and panels and things like that. Um. It's key. It's important. It's the kind of thing that you really want to get across. Is is if you want to see this in the white before the widest amount of people, the, the the biggest audience. Write it so that you know, so that uh, that's the intended uh, uh, target. Don't just write it for the media. Don't just write it for you know your fellow public relations folks. Write it for everybody um, that you want to buy this product and, and 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 get that out there. I mean, it's just you know, it's not. I don't think we're reinventing the wheel with that. I think the new technology kind of actually help underscore that even more. Um so that you're not writing for just the niche kind of people. But I mean it's just it, it, they're I mean if they're if they're selling the sense of story and drama that we're talking about the same thing that I have to do on a daily basis that definitely helps.
1: Um Now Renee, we talked a little bit about the blog that you did for CNN at the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, and i wanted to ask you why did uh, bill gates get so upset during the 8 minute interview uh, at the show
0: well
2: no i mean he got i was talking about an interview that we did at the consumer electronics show in 90 or in 2002 i believe it was yeah i had asked a question about you know kind of the internet battle that was shaping up at that time between microsoft and aol regarding uh a, a battle they were they were going over in New York City, I believe at the time, involving some some ISP or whatever. I don't remember the exact details. All I remember is that Bill Gates was not prepared to answer the question. It was not on his list of topics. I mean, I see. you know, he was he was prepared to talk about the Xbox. He was prepared to talk about you know um, the new. Uh, I believe at that point it was tablet PCs they were talking about uh, and the and the, the software how that was going to. I mean, he was ready to do the demos and ready to do all this and and talk about the things that were on his list of things to talk about. What Bill Gates does not like is surprises.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. So, um, there's an a, a appearance of him on Larry King, where he goes on Larry King, and it's clear he's got his messaging points he's trying to get across, and it's a bit yeah. of a cat and mouse where Larry's trying to derail him and get him to yeah. talk about things, you know, that aren't on message. And uh, he's... You know, disciplined, and he keeps bridging back over to his key messages, and it almost gets to the point where it's, you know, becomes a little obnoxious to watch. And I mean, you've been doing this for 26 years. The PR industry has gotten a bit more sophisticated over that time, and I wonder how, uh, you know, the, the growth of something like media training has has posed a challenge to somebody like you with respect to getting a really great interview when oh, yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. always. I mean- Bridging back to these key messages,
2: you can completely. I mean, the folks like Steve Jobs. There's absolutely no way you're going to get him off message, and there's absolutely no way you're going to get them to talk about future products. The, the, you have to. I mean, having the experience of somebody of talking to somebody like that. The the, the thing is, how can I get him to to talk about a competitor or talk about uh, you know a trend in the in the in the industry uh, without him an easy opening to go back to talk about an ipod the new ipod he's got he's talking about um you know that the, when he was uh pushing the uh, i think uh, uh some new version of the ipod that included the u2 special edition and he had bono and the edge with him i i asked a lot of time talking to bono and the edge talking about what you know what do you think about bands who aren't putting their songs uh on an individual song-by-song basis you know, do you think that they're, you know, are they are they holding the inevitable here? You know, groups like you know Led Zeppelin and all this who don't who want you to still continue to buy the, buy the CDs and and what do you think about that? And the Edge gave me a very good answer about how they were, you know, they weren't facing the future basically and they weren't learning to to adapt to it. Um, and and at that point it's like, well, Steve, you know, I'm not going to get that kind of answer from Steve Jobs. Um and he 's barely giving he 's barely talking about you know the record labels wanting to hike the prices of of the tunes that they have on iTunes uh, going you know for more than ninety nine cents he does give uh he does talk about it but he 's not going to talk about it too much because he's in negotiations uh some i mean i i a lot of people in my business are now in the business of media consulting I realize that um and uh, you know the only thing is you just hope that they can that they're doing a good job of preparing people for the unexpected, because they should know that's what these guys are doing. They want to get you off the talking points. They want to get you. Uh, they they want to get something interesting from you, either from a personal basis or, you know, they they want to be able to take something back and, and say, here's here's the lead. Here's what you know Bill Gates said about so and so, or here's here's what uh, Michael Dell said about uh, this particular trend. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that you know they they do this in a very smart way in a respectful way realizing we're just trying to do our jobs but and you know th- their message is going to get out regardless but you know give me something i can work with here and give me something that that really the people who are going to be watching this story you know a little bit deeper uh into your company into your psyche into your thoughts about why you do this uh, you know i you know i i i've been you know a lot of these um a lot of these uh Big wigs in the tech world, you know, they they read their emails, and I've sent out emails regarding, you know, what what do you think? What was the very first piece of technology that really got you thinking about? Wow, this is a neat, a neat, neat uh, thing, and, and maybe I'm I, I could, you know, I'll get into this as a career. Uh, when you were a kid, what was it? You know, was it a transistor radio? Was it a chemistry set? That kind of thing. And you know, I, I sent that to Bill Gates, and I sent that to Steve Jobs. To their, you know, to their and Michael Dell, and um, I you know I, I never I never got anything from any of them, which indicates to me that they're you know either they're too busy or they just didn't want to you know answer frivolous questions. Although Michael Dell is a good interview, I I I think that Michael Dell is a good interview. I think that Steve Jobs is is at least he's honest with you. He'll say I'm just not going to talk about that. Bill Gates is is a little bit tough to deal with, and and it's hard to get him off message and. He gives you this look uh, at sometimes when he realizes, you know, that's not a question I'm prepared for, and I'm just going to give you the t- standard boilerplate and go on. Um, you know, and that's usually when his handlers come over and say, you know, one more question.
1: Now, Renee, you did a special on illegal file sharing in the U.S. Supreme Court's MGM versus Graxter case. And obviously, yeah. that was all about the record industry feeling the pain of uh, the ubiquity of, of the network. And uh, now we see, you know, TV news, in many cases, uh, that's intended for broadcast, uh, being redistributed over the Internet. Uh, And, of course, broadcast uh, and cable to some extent. I mean, these are businesses that rely on geographic exclusivity. I mean, if I'm a, a broadcaster in Ohio and I'm paying money for CBS programming... Uh, you know, I, I've got an exclusive on that programming in my market. If you can get it on the Internet, you don't have to watch my commercials. And I guess my question is, how, how do you see the 24-hour cable news industry competing in a world where there is no geographic exclusivity?
2: Uh, it, they're going to have to do it with exclusive content on their websites. They're going to have to get knee-deep into the online world and offer fresh content that they won't be able to get if they sat through an hour-long broadcast that included the commercials. And then they sell that as exclusive content um, to the advertisers and say, you know, we want you to sponsor this. It's stuff that, that is fresh and it's not going to be seen on, uh, on uh, you know, our TV, uh, our network or our TV station in Ohio or Dubuque or whatever. You know, you're talking about Slingbox. You're talking about the impact that Sling Media is already having on, on, on uh, certain uh uh tv stations where you know if i'm if i'm using slingbox to keep up with my uh, news back home and i'm traveling uh you know that means i can you know those those commercials are are done for and i can just watch the weather and i can just watch you know the news and all that and and or, or watch my favorite sports team and uh, zip right through the commercials and everything and so it's it's it it, it is um you know it, it is uh one of those you know industry changing type of moments that I think is 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 going to be a, a kind of a work program for journalists. In that they're going, hopefully, they will be hiring more people, or, or giving us a chance to expand our value to our employers by giving them exclusive content that they can't get, uh, that can only get on the web, or only get in a podcast, or only get um, you know on a radio stream, or in a streaming uh, uh, type of situation. Um, I, I think that's all to the good. I, I think that. Uh, I realize there's that the copyright issues and all this are going to have to be addressed, but I think one of the one of the 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 foundations for dealing with that is to realize that um, you know e- exclusivity means also that you can offer something new to them if they are checking out the website. I'm realizing if they're going to be capturing this stuff using a a a, a, um, a, a box or or a technology like Slingbox um you know that's a competitor now so you're going to have to deal with something new give them something new and different over and above that that they won't be able to get uh, I, i'm not sure i'm not uh, enough of a futurist to know how tv individual tv stations are going to do that but if as long as they can uh, you know make sure that they are uh pumping up their online uh operations and offering up something that that the folks can't see not just you know Streaming their their telecast, uh, which is is a good thing, as I think as well. But also offering up some new things that they won't be able to get on TV. I think that that'll be one step towards dealing with that particular issue. But you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a, in a general manager's shoes or in the uh, you know vice president of news of of CNN to to have to deal with this right now. But you know, I, I think it's always good to 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 embrace it rather than fight it. Uh, find a way to deal with copyright issues that keeps everybody happy, much as as Apple has done so far with, you know, with iTunes, and we've seen what that's what kind of explosion that's created in, in music, uh, and what we've seen, you know, I mean, find some way to use to have the technology work for you, instead of against you. I, I think that's you know that's kind of a that's an astute judgment of the obvious, but I think with some of these folks, you have to kind of hammer that in from time to time, especially with the, you know, the speed of light changes that we're going through right now, and in, in technology and journalism and advertising and all of
1: that. Renee San Miguel, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.
0: You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS News Feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.